The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Thanks for joining us. This is Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, offering support for your spiritual growth and addiction recovery. Here's Reverend Dan Beckett. Welcome to the Spirit of Recovery on Unity Online Radio. We are glad that you're with us today. I am Reverend Dan Beckett here with our co-host, Reverend Michelle Jellinch. Together, we share ways that spirituality and recovery intertwine and work together to support your spiritual growth in your addiction recovery journey. Facebook users, you can send us your questions and comments anytime during the week from our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. Just click the send message button right below the banner. And please be assured that your anonymity will always be respected. So let us know what's on your mind. We would love to hear from you. Today's show is titled, Let Go, Let God. Many of us in addiction recovery can affirm that we've never let go of anything that didn't have claw marks on it, even when we were, in essence, clinging to a sinking ship. But when we eventually become willing to try a new way, our lives begin to change. When we can truly let go and allow a higher power to provide guidance and direction, our lives begin to become amazing. Today, We want to share our experience, strength, and hope on learning how to let go, trust a higher power, and in doing so, begin building a wonderful new life. We want to share with you today what we were like before, what happened, and what we are like now, along with a spiritual tool or principle that helped guide us through the tough times. We certainly hope that you will find something in our experience that will be helpful to you in your own recovery. So today we're going to be talking about moving from that state where we were clinging to a sinking ship to this wonderful new life that we have now through the principle or that power of letting go and letting God. When I think about what was my experience of clinging to a sinking ship, my my first excuse, my first defense is that I had no idea that I was clinging (laughs) to a sinking ship. I deny all knowledge of clinging to any sinking ships. And so I I, I joke as I say that, but I know from hanging around other uh, drunks and recovering people that it's not an uncommon experience to um, not realize that this way of being, you know, this way of living that I have that has been so you know, ingrained in me that I've been doing for so long is, has actually become a huge 
liability, like an anchor, right? Like a sinking ship. I just don't know it. I'm remember. I'm remembering that analogy of the boiled frogs. I don't know if this is actually true or if it's just something we like to say, but the story goes that, you know, if a, if a frog, if you drop a frog in hot water, it'll jump out. But if you put a frog in uh, comfortable water, but then slowly heat it up, the frog won't notice and won't jump out. Just don't so, tell PETA about that. Right. <laughs> and don't try a, it. <laughs> think of another an analogy uh, or for that, but yeah, no, won't try it, of course. And so I think it was, you know, that was my experience. I didn't know that the house was on fire. You know, I'm sitting there and <laughs> right in the middle of a burning building. I'm like, what flames? I don't know what you're talking. Leave me alone. I don't know. I'm just trying. I'm just having fun. If you don't want to have fun, go away. Um, so that's my first excuse slash denial is to uh, tell the truth about the extent of the denial that I was in or really the not knowing. I mean, we call it denial, but am I denying it if I honestly can't see it? Maybe I am. I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> well, I feel the same that, you know, I didn't know there was any other way to live. I mean, I was brought up to be very, you know, driven and um, achievement oriented and, um, you know, that you know, that kind of American ethic that you get out there and you make your life happen. That's very much how I was uh, raised to be. I had parents that, you know, uh, made their way out of humble beginnings and, you know, got educated and became professionals. And that was sort of the ethic of my family. And so no one I knew was living any other way. At least they weren't sharing it with me. So I didn't really know that there even was any other way. Um, I certainly had never heard any kind of ideas of letting go or letting God, I didn't have a God. Um, and even the God that I had learned somewhat about in, you know, the church of my upbringing, I'd never heard this kind of languaging that you could let go and let God do anything. I mean, that was not, it just was not part of my experience either. Like you said, I had no idea there even was such a concept. Um, I very much was raised to believe that you make your own life, you know, you, you, uh, through hard work, determination, ambition, whatever, you make your own way. And that was just, that was all I knew. You kind of willpower, willpower, willpower through. your way right. through it. Yeah, yep. totally. Yeah, and I think the people around me felt that that was working for them. So why would they, you know, do it any other way? Yeah, and I suspect like many of us, I mean, that that's not my story. But the, what I was doing, that was working for me. You yeah. know, if, if one of the things that has stuck with me that I've heard amongst others in recovery is it, it works till it doesn't. Yeah. You know, no, no one was saying that it never worked. No one was in, <laughs> when I got into recovery, no one was saying to me that drinking alcohol to kind of make it through life. They're not saying it never worked. They're right. saying it ain't working now. Not like anymore. that is true. That is absolutely true. It is most certainly not working now but there was a time when it did work well so what there's nothing wrong with that it's okay i can say that but that's not now you know if i had so i either need to what get sober or invent a time machine right right? if i had a time machine i could go back to when it still worked and everything would be fine but guess what it's working right it's not working and so you know what became a um 
I don't know what to call it, viable, the way I was living, excuse me, or a habit that wasn't causing me a ton of trouble. What started as that, that's what turned into the sinking ship, right? That's the thing where I just kept doing the same thing, drinking, you know, a lot, um, but it stopped working, but I didn't stop doing it. I kept doing it. And that, you know, hence the analogy of the sinking ship. Now, I certainly knew that the ship, well, I'm going to fast forward, the ship had sunk. You know, by the time I realized this is really, really bad and I need help, um, by the time I hit that bottom, you know, the the ship either had sunk or it was going under rapidly. There was no question about it. And I I'd said before, and it was true, um, that I didn't know what was going on. But I think slowly over time, you know, it, it did dawn on me, but I always sort of pushed that, um, you know, push that thought to the back because I didn't want to know, right. I didn't want, uh, my drinking to be a problem in my life. My drink drinking was the solution in my life. No, it's not the problem. It's the answer. Uh, and so, you know, that's working very well. Thank you much. No, thank you. I don't need something else. Goodbye. Yeah. That's kind of where I was. And so this whole, you know, clinging to a sinking ship. First, I didn't know it was sinking. And then I, I kind of did, but I ignored it. There, Hence the denial, right? I'm denying that the ship is sinking or I'm denying that it's a problem. Like, uh, you know, your ship is half full of water. So what? Some ships are like that. So what? Leave me alone. I'm still floating. It's fine. Shut up. Uh, And to where it was like, you know, 99% sunk. And I'm like, I think I have a problem here. There's something going on. So anyway, that's part of, I thought here, but here's the bottom line. I thought I was in control of life and it looked like I was in control of my life, but there were a bunch of what I've thought of as like gaps internally. This is an abstract sort of thing. But those gaps, I was kind of filling the gaps with alcohol mm-hmm. and, and everything was working fine because like I said, it works till it doesn't, right. but it was working at first. Yeah, absolutely. Oh gosh. Well, you sort of stole my thunder with that mixed metaphor there that, that, that sinking ship had sailed. <laughs> oh, I like that. No, How many metaphors that. can we throw in oh, man, there? No, we, we can milk the sinking ship for several more minutes. <laughs> Oh, goodness. Well, I'm on to the frog again now. Um, that thing about the frog, you know, if, if you turn the heat up real slowly, the frog doesn't realize it's, you know, boiling and won't jump out. And I, I was thinking about how um, so many of us addicts, alcoholics, we have such a high threshold for pain and misery. You know, it's like we were slowly turning up our own flame and we just have such a high threshold for it. Like you were talking in the introduction about, you know, an alcoholic say, you know, you know, an alcoholic has let go of something because it's got claw marks and it's like all <laughs> shredded and torn up, you That's know, and it's, nice. we don't let go of it before we have to. Right. But I was thinking that, um, I know I have a very high threshold for pain. And so I'm like that frog that isn't going to jump out and, you know, until like maybe I'm near dead and then maybe I'll jump out, you know, with reluctance. That's definitely how I was. Now I've learned 
um, you know, that I don't have to stay there until I boil up, I can get out. But I certainly didn't know that before. And um, you definitely staying in something. So this could be anything, right? It could be drinking, it could be a relationship, it could be a job that's miserable, it could be anything in my life that's, you know, yeah. it could be anything really. Um, you know, I used to just stay there because staying in the misery or the pain was preferable to stepping out into something I didn't know, you know, um, something I didn't know what it was going to be like. Um, of course, in my mind, and I think this is typical, nothing could possibly be as good as what I have, even though what I have is like not even good anymore. But, you know, oh, there's no, I had no sense that there could be something better. And because I had no God, no higher power, I had nothing to rely on. So it was better for me to stay in that sinking ship than to try to get out and risk what might happen, you know, and we'll talk a little bit later, but that's what has really changed for me. I was not a fan of um, change. You know, I would rather stay where I was miserable as I was because it was familiar and I knew it and it felt safe to me. Yeah. That's that whole, the devil I know. Yes. To the yes. unknown. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 I suspect that many of us can affirm that I certainly can. Yeah. And I have heard from many others. So I suspect that many of us could affirm that very same thing. And from, and, you know, I kind of said this, there's a progression, right? And so this, this sinking ship that was showing up kind of as pain and confusion, I would say, was super subtle for me for many years. You know, my, my drinking career was sort of the slow burn variety. You know, from the, from the first time I ever took a drink to when I got sober was almost 30 years. And I drank heavily, you know, well, it, it just amped up over time. Um, but I drank heavily at the end, the end, the last 15 years, I was probably <laughs> drinking daily. You know, the last 10 years, 10 years before I quit, not the end of the world. Eh, five years before I quit, three years, it starts to get darker as I look back on it. But anyway, that's the boiled frogs, right, that are populating the sinking ship. Yes. But we need to shift now to the solution, right? We like to tell the truth and acknowledge the challenge, but we don't want to sit in it. We want to focus our gaze on the solution. So what is the solution, well, in unity, we affirm that all of life is governed by spiritual principles and the spiritual principle or principles we've found helpful in moving, getting off of that sinking ship, letting go of that clinging and moving into a wonderful new life. That spiritual principle below that or underneath that is that surrender, that letting go and letting God. But what does letting go and letting God look like? in my life. I mean, it's a nice idea. It sounds good. And I hear it. If I want to let go, how exactly do I go about doing that? I mean, in a way, it seems kind of abstract and weird and confusing. Yeah. How do I get from the, the nice feeling that I get from hearing it to actually doing it? Michelle, what, what do you think? Well, you know, in, in the 12 step program, a big part of it is sort of trusting that there are others that have done this that have gone before me and in trusting that, you know, the folks who founded the 
12 step Alcoholics Anonymous recovery program that they had some real wisdom that this isn't just somebody's, you know, crazy half baked idea. I mean, there's some real wisdom in our big book and that went into the creation of these steps. So part of what helped me was trusting that, you know, trusting that there were folks who had knew better than I had done this and it had worked for them. And of course, that's one of the big parts of attending meetings and being involved in, you know, 12 step recovery program, you know, being involved in activities and such is that we get to be around folks who have taken these steps and it's working for them in their lives. And I can see that, you know, and I did that a lot in recovery. I, I watched, you know, in the meetings I went to from the very beginning, God bless whoever told me to go mostly to women's meetings. That was really important for me. I went to lots and lots of women's meetings and I watched the other women and I watched how they lived their lives and I watched how these principles were working for them. So um, that gave me the courage to do something which was very out of character for me, very, very out of character. And um, that's just the value of the, the sponsor and our, our friends in recovery that, you know, they are showing us the way. And so um, when I when I came to that third step, you know, and my sponsor said, let's get down on our knees and we're going to say the third step prayer. That was fixed. I cannot tell you how out of character that was for this addict, for this alcoholic, you know, for this uh, self-proclaimed atheist, you know, power through it myself, driven, ambitious, you know, self-will run riot, as they say, alcoholic, you know, to get on my knees with this person and say this prayer, it was like, but I did it, you know, and all I can tell you was that it was profound for me so profound and um my life just completely changed to the point that i've shared many times on this program i have always looking back seen my life in terms of before and after taking the third step that's how deep of a shift it was for me that's just my personal experience but it's a pretty big shift especially if you're like me one of those really driven control people or was this was just so huge this letting go, you know? Yeah, when I think about what what does letting go and letting God mean to me, like in practical terms, because I I always need the practical steps. You know, I love ideas and I can nod my head and affirm, yeah, that's great, awesome, but then I kind of need to know exactly what to do, especially with something like addiction recovery where I'm in no state in the beginning to be, um, you know, navigating a path through something when my brain is not really even working that well. But I, I saw that it began, I learned, and just like you're saying, through, through being around community, you know, through being willing to show up and, and to go to meetings because somebody said, this is what you should do. And I said, okay. And I just did it. You know, just the, the trusting there was just trusting what others who clearly knew more about this than I did, yeah. uh, trusting that what they said was probably not a bad idea, at least not a bad idea. And so I went and I saw that uh, willingness and I heard that willingness is a big part of it. And so what that meant for me was willingness to see things differently was kind mm-hmm. of the beginning. 
So for me, letting go and let God began with a willingness to simply see things differently. Like you said, yourself as the avowed atheist, you know, doing the third step prayer in your knees. What? What's going on here? What's happened yeah. in the world? Um, that willingness to just sort of, I don't know, suspend. It's like, you know, I could be completely right. And there's no such thing as all this crap they're talking about. Fine. So let I can I'll put that idea. I still have that. I can always go back to that. But yeah. let me just pretend that maybe there's something that I don't know. I yep. know that doesn't sound possible, but maybe there's something that I don't know. And so just willingness to see things differently. I'm not even saying that I'm willing to accept what you're telling me or right. that I'm willing to do what someone's saying I need to do. I'm not even that far yet. I'm yeah. just willing to see. I can sit on my butt and keep my mouth shut and I'm willing to see things differently. And that little crack was enough to kind of jumpstart me in this whole thing that we're calling let go and let God. Yeah, you know, that's one of the benefits to being in a whole lot of pain. <laughs> it's one of the benefits <laughs> to being that frog that's in that water that's about to start boiling, you know, is it's, I got really willing. I, I get a lot more willing when I'm in a lot of pain and things, I've really tried everything my way and it hasn't worked, you know. And thank God, you know, many years later, I don't have to always let things get to that point anymore. I can take action much sooner. But back then, and still sometimes, I have to really get pretty miserable before I'm willing to take that step. And so, but I always say that, um, you know, we talk about our bottom or whatever, this kind of state that I'm talking about where you just, nothing is working. You know, that it's not a fun place to be. It's a painful place to be. But for me, it's a state of grace because that's when I have finally relinquished my way, my self, you know, small s self, Michelle, ego self way is not working. And that's when I become willing for something greater to work through me. It's like you said, I think you said it's like a crack. It's that cracking open. Um, and that willingness is a state of grace. And so you know, the way it worked for me was I just did it. You know, I just did it because my sponsor said, this is what we're doing. And I did it. And for me, it worked and things began to change immediately in my life. And I, I love that about, um, it's true of, of unity really, as much as it is of the 12 step program is that we, we suggest that you just try it. You know, if, if try on these things, try, set aside that, um, what do you call it? Set aside your skepticism and disbelief and just try it and see what happens. And then we even have this idea of acting as if. And, you know, that can sound a little little false or whatever, but you can always go back anytime and say, nope, this is not for me. Just like with unity principles, we say, try them on, try it out, see how it feels, check how it feels inside, you know, leave what you don't like. Now, preferably don't leave the parts that are just challenging for you that are inconvenient, you know, but even if you do, you can come back to them later. So no one's forcing us to do any of these things. Right. We can we, just try them on and see what happens. We take up what works and let the rest of it just be because mm -hmm. it'll be there later. It'll be there. Because maybe later there's another little piece that all of a sudden works for me that didn't before. So yeah. I didn't burn it to the ground. You know, when right. we say take what you take what you like and leave the rest. 
um, is not to shut the door on the rest. It's just like this doesn't resonate for me right yeah. now, just like you're saying. And, and I found it absolutely to be true, both in 12-step recovery and in unities. Just try it out. You know, I'm not... Yeah. In, in When I'm at church, I'm never asking people to believe something because I'm saying it. Right. I'm asking them to try what I'm sharing about so that they can find out for themselves yeah. if they find it helpful. Absolutely. So I talked about beginning with a willingness to see things differently, which is, you know, just to kind of show up at meetings and listen uh, and a willingness to do things differently. For me, the one that comes to mind there is to go go to a meeting anyway, you know, even mm -hmm. if I don't feel like it. That's mm -hmm. very different than I would have done in my life previously. Yeah. And so on those things, I, you know, some pieces came up that I realize are helpful, like my natural curiosity, right? I'd like to understand how things work. Here are all these people that used to drink. In fact, many of them drank way more than I did. And they got some pretty horrific stories of their lives. Um, and, and I'm thinking, well, if they can do it, then I can probably do it too, or I don't see any reason why I couldn't. So I become curious, how does this work? How did they do this? How can I do this? And so I was able to build, you know, starting from having some willingness to see differently and do things differently to build at least somewhat on my curiosity, you know, that sort of kept me coming mm -hmm. back. Like I got to see where this is going. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> I, I'm not sure about all this. I don't know how this works, but these people seem pretty happy yeah, and I kind of want to, I want what I see them having Yeah. Um, the way that they live, you know, being so honest about their, uh, travels and, you know, in a lighthearted kind of manner, mm -hmm. talking about stuff that I would have been too embarrassed to ever mention to anyone. And yeah. here they are sharing it with a group yeah. and having a good time doing it. <laughs> now, how on earth do you get there? I was curious enough to, you know, to, to keep coming back in a way. So to build on my willingness with curiosity to see the tie-in with with unity principles is another piece of it because I, I I had been in going to a unity church, so every time there was a tie-in, I was like, "Ooh, I've heard about that same thing, except that they talked about this way." That was cool yes. for me. So anyway, those are some ways that I became willing to understand—not understand, but experience. What does it mean to let go and let God? It means to yeah. show up to see things differently, to be curious, to stay, to keep coming back. Yeah, I, I really feel like the unity does dovetail so nicely with 12 steps. And I came in the opposite way of you, um, 12 step first and then unity. But they definitely went together so wonderfully for me. And that was each one enriched the other. And I was so grateful for having found unity at that time in my early um, sobriety. It was just perfect timing for me. So it's that's obviously what we're talking about on this program is how those things intersect. We probably yes. don't say that enough, but unity and 12 step is a natural fit. Right. But let's hold on to that thought because it is time for a short break. And when we come back, we'll continue the conversation. We hope that you'll please stay with us. We're glad you found us. 
This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. Welcome back indeed. We are glad that you're with us today. And if you're just joining us, my name is Reverend Dan Beckett, and I'm here with our co-host, Reverend Michelle Jellinch. We will resume our discussion in a moment, but we first want to remind you that you can send us your questions and feedback anytime during the week from our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. Message us from there and let us know what's on your mind. So prior to the break, we were first discussing... uh, what it used to be like when we had that tendency to cling to that sinking ship and just holding on to things. And then we talked about the concept of letting go and letting God and that surrender. And now we're going to bring it all together. We're going to talk about how using that principle of letting go and letting God helped us to move from that place of clinging and controlling into what we frankly consider a wonderful new life. One thing that I'm remembering about that, and this is, you ever like hear a a wonderful quote from somewhere and I think, oh, this is like the centerpiece of my life, and then I forget it, and years (laughs) go by, and then I see it again, I'm like, oh yeah, that's awesome. Well, one of those is, I don't know that it's a quote, it might be a paraphrase from Carl Jung, the the great uh, psychologist. So the life that I want to lead it looks like this. I love everything I do. And if I don't love it, I don't do it. Wow. That's sort of a, that's an affirmation in a sense. Mm -hmm. It's a mantra in a sense, but it reminds me that if I want to have a wonderful life and I want to get away from hanging on to things, you know, like sinking ships filled with boiled frogs or whatever if i want to let go and let god and follow that divine guidance that i can access within me that i need to be able to discern what do i what am i letting go of you know what how do i move forward like what do i have goals what are they what do i need to let go of so that i can have some of these other things happen and what I realized is that that advice that I'm pulling from Carl Jung, it's not foolproof or anything, but because sometimes, like, like there might be something that I need to learn, and it might not be very fun learning it. Right. And I might bumble into the, that painful lesson as it's dressed up as, oh, here's something I want to do. And so I do it because I want to do it. And then I find out more, and I learn, and I'm like, oh, man. I don't want to do that anymore, but I'm glad I know, right? I can I can actually affirm that about my drinking. I would never want to go back to where I was, but I would also never undo anything that happened. Absolutely. I wouldn't change a single thing, uh, even though I wouldn't want to go through it again. And I don't have to go through it again because I'm, I'm on this side. I plan to stay on this side. Right. Um, so just because... Uh, I didn't like it at the time doesn't mean it's not bringing some, you know, kind of powerful lessons. So I'm not afraid to look at things like if I don't love it, I'm not going to do it. And then up comes all this fear. Like you can't do that. You know, have you ever had like an outrageous or an idea that seemed outrageous to those around me? You know, you can't just 
quit. What are you going to, you're going to move across the country and go to seminary. Like, yep, yeah. that's exactly what I'm going to do. Yeah. That sounds like that might leave a mark. <laughs> you know, I would say yeah. that sounds like perhaps an ill-advised idea. It's like, I don't care. I know what I'm doing. Why am I doing this? Cause I can, I, I love, I can feel it. I love it. It's time. It's right. Yeah. And then of course I did that and it had its own set of ups and downs and pains and joys and learning and all that. But my point is I'm following that guidance within me using that litmus test that's saying, I, I want to live a life where I can say, I love everything I do. And if I don't love it, I don't do it. And I'm willing to endure the consequences of letting go of something that I don't love doing. Because if I'm not willing to let go of it, then I'm clinging, you know, like I said, I'm clinging. There's claw marks on yes. something that's not working just because yeah. I'm afraid. Well, what if it's worse? You know, what if I don't like this frying pan and I let go and now I'm in the fire and that's even worse? Well, th my experience is that that has not been that way. That fear is there. But in reality, you know, we, what do we say? If you if you take a leap of faith off a cliff, one of two things is going to happen, right? Either a, a net is going to appear or you're going to sprout wings. Yeah. And I found that true every single time. Nothing you know, nothing goes to hell like I am scared that it might. Everything turns out amazing in a way I never could have predicted. That's certainly been my experience, too. Um, it makes me think of it's like a cartoon or something where the guy is clinging on to this thing on the edge of a cliff, you know, and he's like, you know, God or whatever is saying, let go, let go, you know, trust me. And the guy's like, no, you know, and, and we can see, cause we can see the cartoon that there's a ledge right underneath him, but he doesn't know that, you know? Yeah. I so relate to, I feel like I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but I so relate to what you were saying about the times that I have um, really followed that inner guidance and just that knowing that this is what I'm meant to do. This is what I want to do. Sometimes they were choices that were pretty, you know, um, surprising to the people around me. Like you're doing what, you know, um, I left a tenure track professorship to stay home with my son because it's what I wanted to do. And that was, you know, I'm sure a lot of folks were pretty surprised by that choice, but it was the right thing for me. And I don't regret it at all. You know, uh, like you said, the choice to follow the call to ministry and go to seminary, that was like, I mean, I was the most surprised by that. Some other folks were pretty surprised, but that was the right thing for me to do, you know. And so over time in sobriety, I've learned to follow that guidance and to follow my heart but it certainly wasn't like that at the beginning you know that was very hard for me um, I still was very locked into a pattern of thinking that you know things are done a certain way you studied for this job so you do it and you stay in it um, you know you started this graduate program so you finish it you you know whatever you just you follow through with things you do you know my family I guess taught me to do things in a very responsible methodical way I certainly didn't have models for people that were just throwing it all out because it wasn't what they it wasn't you know sparking joy or whatever it wasn't you know I didn't have a model for that so that was a whole new way of I was like you can do that you can do that you can stop doing something that isn't working for you. You can yeah. leave a job that isn't filling your heart with joy. You can follow this inner guidance that 
no one else can see or, you know, have any reason to trust or, I mean, all what of is these this? things what is this? From... is this like a hippie commune where yeah. everyone can just do whatever they want? What is this like your own life that you can do <laughs> what you want with? Hell yes, yeah. it is. Oh, these things were all revelations to me, Dan, and they still continue to be revelations to me. But it's certainly, and I'm not knocking the way I was raised. I think the way I was raised was very typical American values, you know. Um, but what I was hearing in 12-step program, you can, I mean, just everything I heard every day for the first, I don't know how many years, was like a revelation to me. You, you can change. You can stop doing this. You can step out and do something different, you know, and it all begins with what we're talking about today, which is the letting go and letting God, letting go of our preconceived notions, letting go of those rigid ways of thinking that things have to be done, letting go of our expectations for ourselves, others' expectations for us, and learning to follow spirit and follow that still small voice. That's what it's all about. And it's been my experience, like you shared, that whenever I've done that, as unpopular or unconventional um, as my decisions seem to be, they were always the right things for me that I've never, ever regretted. I've heard that called living from the inside out. Mm -hmm. And it took me a long time to really get that, to really show up that way. And I'm so glad that you're sharing this because I, I realize as you're sharing how incredibly important it is and how, yes, and I do like to joke uh, you know, I live in a hippie commune. Everyone can do whatever they want, you know, as opposed to like you're saying, oh, well, I have this job and so I need to keep doing this. Or, um, you know, I, I started down this path and so I can't stop. Well, yeah. why not? Why can't yeah. I stop if it's yeah. no longer serving me? We talk yeah. about that. Um, if it's no longer serving me, then it is really my duty in a sense to let it go. Yeah. Right. I don't, you know, just because I start doing a job or a volunteer role or whatever does not mean it's a lifetime sentence. Right. Yeah. I'm allowed to grow and shift and change. And I'm allowed to live in a hippie commune where everyone's following the spirit within and doing yeah, imagine that. what they know to be good and right yeah. for themselves in that moment for myself. I love, I do love that. Um, and, and part of what, so, you know, we're talking about, walking down this weird road of let go and let God and, you know, how is this going to help me experience a wonderful new life? Another program principle that I'll repeat, and yet another thing that I learned in the community was that H-O-W, how, how mm -hmm. does this work? It's H is honest, O for open-minded, and W for willing. Now, I talked before about willing willingness being sort of the crack in the doorway that I could begin to get a toehold in. I'm willing to see things differently with how that showed up. But I also have to be honest about how I see, how I do see things now to be honest about, you know, my path and, and what I've done or not done in my life to be open-minded, which is kind of a in a, in a sense, it's like an expression of willingness. Mm -hmm. If I'm willing to be different, that's kind of the same as being open-minded. I'm open to new ideas. And that the, the somehow the combination of those three things, to be honest, open-minded, and willing, has become essential. That's like, it's almost like that's the thing that opens doors that I couldn't see before. That's yeah. the thing that lets me 
um, you know, listen to that inner voice, that, that voice of the spirit that's within me and to follow where it's leading. Even if I have no idea where the voice came from or no idea where, what it's saying is going because I didn't used to want to do things if I didn't know where they were going. Yeah. I didn't want to take step one till I knew what step seven was going to be. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't like looking down the path and seeing a curve that I can't see beyond. Like I not, I'm not comfortable doing, I wasn't comfortable doing something if I didn't know where it was going. Yeah. And that's extraordinarily limiting. Yes. And so in, in letting go to let God, a big part of that for me meant I'm willing to take step one when I can't even see step two. I don't even know if there is a step two, let alone will I like it. <laughs> but when I trust in that presence of the spirit, the still small voice, and I become willing uh, to take that step, as you were sharing, it's always turned out wonderful. It's always turned yeah. out amazing. Yeah. Yeah, so just backtracking a little bit, I'm just thinking back to really early recovery and when I did take the third step and how things began to change. So I think I might have described a little bit that prior to that, you know, I was a very controlled person, um, very driven and ambitious and thought that things had to be a certain way and that I had to make things happen, that I had to control things, um, you know, that I, yeah, pretty much uh, control, you know, the future and all of that. And um that caused me to live in a lot of fear and worry because basically if I'm in control of everything, I mean, even back then with my uh, high, you know, grandeur of, you know, delusions of self grandeur or whatever, even then I knew that that was a scary proposition for me to be in control of everything. Um, and so I lived in a lot of fear, a lot of fear and a lot of worry about how things were going to turn out. So when I took that third step for the first time with my sponsor, I felt an enormous sense of relief. And it, I, at that time, I only had the smallest inkling of what that was going to mean. But that relief, that sense of relief, maybe because I was such a control freak, um, was so enormous to me and it went on and on. Like the more I did it, the more I experienced that relief. And so in real practical terms, what happened for me was I started using it on everything, you know, like we do, this works. I'm gonna use, I'm gonna sprinkle that stuff on everything, you know? And so if I had a job that I was applying for, I would turn it over. I would take that third step, you know, and turn over the outcome, do, do what was in front of me, do what was indicated, do the step work or the footwork that I needed to do, and then I would turn it over. And things worked like that for me. That's all I can say is the proof is in the pudding. You know, it worked for me. Not only did I have a huge sense of relief, but every time I turned things over, they worked out. And so I just kept doing it again and again and again. And whenever I turned things over, they turned out they either didn't turn out horrible like I had feared or worried endlessly about. And I saw right. that all my fear and worry was for nothing Yeah. or they turned out incredibly better than I'd ever imagined. So, you know, I'm not a saint. I did this stuff. I continue to do this stuff because it works for me. It works. Another practical tool. And I could have led with this because it's so central is, is prayer and meditation, mm -hmm. right? So prayer and meditation are the tools that I use to, you know, experience what I call conscious contact with God as I understand right. God. And that's the very basis of my ability to uh, let go and let God, 
right? So I have a relationship with the spirit that I don't understand. And I, I practice that relationship by showing up in what we call in unity prayer and meditation. And this is so important. I mean, it's, it's the third unity principle and it's step 11, right? And I want to share both of those things because that's how important this is. Uh, the third unity principle is through prayer and meditation, I align my heart mind with God. So I kind of get in tune with God as I understand God to be. And then the 11th step sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. So get in contact with the spirit as you understand, as I understand the spirit to be, and let that be a centerpiece of my life. That's what I learned over time. So the reason that I can, you know, when I say follow the spirit or follow my internal guidance or whatever, that didn't come out of nowhere. It came out of a practicing, meaning doing the same thing over and over, practicing prayer and meditation. In unity, they're practically the same thing. So we could call it contemplative prayer. You could Mm -hmm. call it Mm -hmm. mindfulness meditation. They're both a practice of showing up and being still and quiet enough that that still small voice of the spirit, I might be able to hear it. Mm -hmm. And if I, if I show up enough, if I make a practice of it, um, then inevitably that's exactly what happens. And I, and I learn what that feels like for me because I didn't go into this knowing, I didn't go into all this spiritual growth stuff knowing, you know, what, how do I know if, you know, it's, it's the spirit that's guiding me or how do I know if it's just, you know, my selfishness that's guiding me? Right. Well, I, I learned, I learned to tell the difference through experience. You know, there's nothing wrong with getting it wrong. Yeah. The only, the only way I can fail, if I would even call it that is refusing to do it. Right. If I do it, then I'm doing it right. And if I turn down a path that at any point I feel like was, you know, I might have called the wrong path or the wrong decision. It's not, there's something there that I need to learn and I will learn it and I will move on and I'll be better for it. So in a sense, I can't make a mistake. Right. If, I'm, if I'm doing my best to follow the guidance of the spirit within me, even if I'm not sure that that's what's happening, that's the kicker. You know, yeah. this, this doesn't work only for people who are super confident that they can discern the spirit from, you know, the, the ego. That's not a requirement. Right. You don't have to be super certain that you can yeah. discern. I just need to do the best I can in that moment and all is well. It's fine. I can't make a mistake if, I'm, if my intention is to follow God. Yeah, you know, for me, it's really been a matter of practicing this over time and getting better at it. So, you know, a person might think, well, I've just, in fact, just in the last step, I've just come to believe in this higher power. Now you want me to turn my will and my life over to it? Are you freaking kidding me? <laughs> you know, but um, it's only the beginning. And for me, it's been this process of evo- this evolving relationship with spirit, with God, where I learned to trust God. 
And also my concept of God has changed so much. And of course, we don't have time to talk about all of this. That's important. I'm, I yeah. just, I'm not going to interrupt you, but I want to yeah. emphasize how important that is. So please, yeah. yeah. Like, um, you know, early in recovery, I probably thought of God more as this outside power. And so I was like, okay, there's this outside power that has a will and I've got to submit my will to it. Now, that still worked for me in early recovery. Um, but my concept of that has changed quite a bit, you know, and if the, even that sense of any kind of outside God is chafing to you, you know, I've really evolved to a, a sense of God and my higher self are pretty indistinguishable. It's all sort of one and the same. And so for me, it's really become like letting go and letting God means letting go of my human ego I like to say small s self, Michelle, my will, right? That will, that very human, flawed, ego-centered will. And turning it over to my higher self, that in me, which is connected to the all, that part of me that, that can tap into divine mind, into source, into what we often by shorthand call God. Um, and just trusting that that higher self in me is always going to know better than the ego self. Yeah. Right. Always. I mean, but, but I've had to learn that it's been that evolving relationship where I've trusted that higher self over and over again, and it has always led me in the right direction. Um, so that's why I trust it is because it has worked for me. But um, this idea that there's this outer entity that has a will that I've got to submit to, um, that is not my understanding anymore. It's for me, it's a universal power, energy, force of love that of course knows better than me, you know, can see the, the bigger picture, knows all and sees all and therefore is always going to choose a higher path for me than what my limited self can choose for myself. So and what so you're, you're calling, that. that's what we call the Christ consciousness, right? Christ, I, I love exactly. that phrase, the Christ consciousness, or sometimes I'll even say the Christ light, you know, that we all have within us is yeah. a unity way of seeing that. Well, it's time to shift gears again because we've said a whole lot about this topic, and so we're going to step back if we can. I don't know that this is... I never know this is possible. I guess I need to let go and let God, right? Yeah, there you go. We'll step back if we can and see if we can find a simple way to sum all of this up. So uh, I'll pose this to you, uh, Reverend Michelle. In a nutshell, if someone if someone were to come to you and say, I am having trouble doing this letting go part... That you're talking about. What can I do that will help me trust God so that I can create the life I really want to live? How can I learn to let go? I mean, you know, I can hear like a sponsor, either of mine or someone else's sponsor saying, well, how's your way working for you? You know, like if what you're doing is working for you, then don't do this. Keep doing it. You know, so usually we get to this point because as we've talked about what we're doing isn't working anymore so we need a better idea so this is a better idea so just try it you know don't do it because i said so or and it just try it and see what happens and give it time you know but see what happens um 
this is something that, you know, you have to pan out for yourself and see that it works for you. And um, the other thing is just what I just finished talking about, that if that concept of turning over your will to an outside power doesn't work for you, consider exploring that a little bit. You know, that it, it doesn't have to be, it's not that, you know, that's this external force that wants to impose its will on you. What I have really come to understand God's will as is always for my highest good. And if what, don't I want my highest good for myself? So it's my job to get in alignment with that and want my highest good for myself. I don't yes, know if it, that helps it, anyone. It, uh, I've heard that expressed as the universe conspires to support me. Yes. Right. And when I say the universe, I mean God consciousness. Right. I could call it. Yeah. So my answer to that, very similar to yours, try it for yourself. Just try something different. And more specifically, I would recommend a um, you know, beginning a daily prayer practice, even if it's mm-hmm. as simple as um, you know, 10 seconds in the morning and 10 seconds before I go to bed. And a phrase that's coming to mind is don't quit before the miracle. So Good just one. try something yep. and see what happens. Yep. And don't quit before the miracle. Expect a miracle even. Well, our affirmation today that just kind of goes right along with everything we've been saying. I let go and let God trusting that all is unfolding in divine order for my highest good. I like that one. I let go and let God trusting that all is unfolding in divine order for my highest good has worked for me. And I know it's worked for you as well. Well, it's happened again. You've given yourself the gift of another hour listening to Spirit of Recovery, and we're grateful that you have, and we hope you see it that way. If you don't, don't tell us. (laughs) Our fragile egos can't take it. But we hope, uh, even if that's not the case, we hope that you found something in all of our blathering that will be genuinely helpful to you in your own recovery. That's what this is about. Thank you, Reverend Michelle for our discussion and thank you to all who are listening to the podcast via Spotify, Apple podcast, Google play, Stitcher, and tune in. We bless you wherever you are on your recovery journey. And listeners, if you'd like, you can always connect with us throughout the week on our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. Go ahead, please, and leave us your comments, your thoughts, and feedback. We'd love to hear from you. And we invite you to join us again next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central. And until then, don't drink like my co-host. And please don't drink like my co-host. Instead, have yourself a wonder-filled week. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. I'm Suzanne Giesman, and if you've ever wondered about life after death or if it's possible to connect with a higher consciousness, I invite you to join me for my podcast, Messages of Hope. It's my mission to share with you that our loved ones who have passed are always with us and we are so very loved. I want to teach you how to live a consciously connected and divinely guided life. Listen here on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network.